0: We'll never know until we get to heaven how many of the blessings we have received are dividends from those who've gone before us. And it's our job to live a life of faithfulness so that we can produce dividends for
1: those who follow. We're called to pass along the blessing. Living so that others may benefit. That's the whole thing, isn't it? If we take a look at our elder brother, the Lord Christ, we see the same thing. He is living for the sake of others. And that is a valuable lesson we will learn today here through the life of Isaac in Genesis chapter 26. Welcome to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. We continue our journey through Genesis. And as mentioned, we're in chapter 26, focusing on the life of Isaac. Here's Pastor Layton and today's study, verse by verse. Notice how God describes
0: Abraham. Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees, and my laws. Now, you know, based upon this description, we might think that Abraham was kind of almost angelic. The problem is, is we've been studying the life of Abraham. And we know that he was anything but. That he made a lot of big mistakes in his life. He, he fell short of perfection in every way. So then the question is, well, then why does God describe Abraham here with such excellent praise? I mean, did God forget? Well, in a manner of speaking, yes, he did. And don't you wish that God could forget all of the things that you have done wrong? And that I have done wrong. I sure do. So, what's the secret here? How can we be in that kind of a position? And the answer is to follow Abraham's example. Genesis fifteen six says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It means his unrighteousness was taken away, and his he received righteousness by believing in God. Now, the New Testament states it's this way it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So, to the question, how do we get saved from our sin? the answer is by grace. And to the question is, how do we get God's grace? The answer is through faith, putting our trust in God. And even the ability to do that is a gift from God. Which then brings up the question, well, what happened to the sin? Where did that go? And an answer is found in Psalm 103, which reads, As far as the east is from the west... So far does he remove our transgressions from us. You know, my dad used to point out that north to south is a fixed and limited distance. You can only go so far and you start going north again. But if you put your finger on the equator of the globe and you start going east, you can go indefinitely. The distance is unlimited. And that's how far God removes our transgressions from us. It's as though someone said, God takes our transgressions and throws them into the deepest part of the sea and puts up a no fishing sign. Now, the context of the verse describes the reason for God's grace. I'm going to read from verse 8 in Psalm 103 The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Aren't we glad for that? Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. For whom? For those who fear him. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. Have you stopped to ponder that picture, word picture? As high as the heavens are above the earth. You know, uh, not too long ago, I got an airplane. We were up at 35, 40,000 feet, whatever. That's pretty high. Uh, somebody got on a spaceship, went to the moon. That's a quarter million miles away. That's even higher. Someday, well, there's plans and desires to go to the nearest solar system, which you've got to travel at speed of light for over four years to get there. That's, that's even higher. And that's only the beginning. I mean, what we're saying is, is space is absolutely immense. Heaven is absolutely immense. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. That means those who fear him must also be everlasting. From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children. Even the grandchildren get the blessing. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Uh, did you know that the sins of Isaac that are recorded for us here in this chapter, chapter 26, don't appear any place else in the Bible? Uh, God doesn't reference these sin. He doesn't suggest that because of them, Isaac has is disqualified himself from being in the line of Messiah. In fact, quite the contrary. In Hebrews chapter 11, God praises Isaac and declares he's not ashamed to be called Isaac's God. You know, that's important for us because there are times that we fail and we disappoint God in many ways and many degrees. But God is not one to hold our sins against against us when we ask for his forgiveness and cleansing. Instead of remembering our failures, he remembers the victories, and he tells us to continue serving him faithfully. So this is really quite a spiritual landmark in Isaac's life, and He's decided he's going to stay and he's going to obey. And we're going to say, well done, Isaac. (laughs) Well, not quite. Sort of. Verse 7. When the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, she's my sister. Because he was afraid to say she's my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebecca because she is beautiful. Now, you might have thought that after a conversation with God, with God's promises and that there was an enduring conviction and confidence that would have been put into Isaac, but that was really not the case. He mingled his faith with fear. When the local men decided that they were going to show some interest in his magnificent wife, he adopted the same disgraceful con that his father had used, not once but twice during his own time of weakness. But unlike Isaac's situation, Abraham's lie was based on a half-truth because Sarah really was his half-sister. Isaac, on the other hand, just flat-out lied. Now, we might think, how cowardly, how faithfully, how faithless. And, you know, that's exactly the point that the scriptures here are trying to make. That Isaac failed because Isaac didn't really believe that God was with him. Now, this is a mirror for us to reflect on, because it's one thing for us to theologically affirm that God is omnipresent. That means that he's with us because he's everywhere at once. He sees everything, hears everything, knows everything. But it's quite something else for this knowledge to dominate our thoughts hour after hour and day after day. To embrace the sure knowledge that God is present to bless and protect us makes a major difference in the way we live. Recognizing God's presence crushes the temptation to compromise, puts fears to flight, instills confidence and courage, protects us and our loved ones, and honors the name of God. Remember that faith is living without scheming. And lying seems to be one of humanity's favorite ways to escape danger and discomfort. Verse 8. When Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, She is really your wife. Why did you say she's my sister? Isaac answered him, Because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Then Abimelech said, What is this you've done to us? One of the men might have slept with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us all. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people, anyone who molests this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. You notice there's several similarities between Isaac and Abraham. Uh, Just as Abraham stayed in Gerar in chapter 20, so did Isaac. Just as Abraham devised a scheme to call his wife a sister. So did Isaac. And just as Abraham was rebuked by the Philistine king, Abimelech, so also was Isaac. Such similarities here can hardly be coincidental. The writer wants us to understand that the lives of these two patriarchs were quite similar. It says when Isaac had been there a long time, so he and his wife had gotten very good at keeping their secret. So then, was it a mere coincidence that the king of all people just happened to be looking out that window of all windows at that time of all times to see that Isaac and Rebekah were engaged in a display of affection? You know, God was bringing about these circumstances to reveal the truth. In Abraham's case, God revealed the truth through a disease in chapter 12 and through a dream in chapter 20. And here he reveals through a so-called coincidence. True believers have a real hard time believing in such coincidences.
1: Hmm. Well, like father, like son, huh? Well, there is much more ground to cover. We'll reserve that for our next program Here on Study Verse by Verse. There is a lot we are learning through the life of Isaac. And again, like his father, many of these illustrations repeat themselves for our sake, for God's glory. If you have questions about today's program, please reach out to us on our website at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Let us know how you're enjoying the program and how it is ministering to you in your walk and relationship with Christ. And then come back and join us tomorrow as our study in Genesis chapter 26 will continue on Study Verse by Verse.